Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. It's Thierry already! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the bottom bar! Back to Arsenal! That's an Arsenal! Yes! Get in there! Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 21. Oh, God. Uh, with, Alexander- <laughs> with Alexander Moneypenny and my very... We're not even, in the- we're not even through the intro yet. Yeah. <laughs> and the gags have not, started. Not the best. With Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend... Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams. How you doing? Bradley, I'm going to start this with a recommendation. To, well, actually, pro- probably listeners of a certain age might already know what I'm about to say. Uh, well, they won't know what I'm about to say, but listeners of a certain age might know what I'm about to recommend. Uh, it's called Coffee Mate. Oh, I know Coffee Mate. It's really good. Is it? So I basically, I, I used to work at a hotel, uh, this like really old hotel with loads of racist people at it. <laughs> um, and they put they put it in they in this massive jug and they'd walk around and like it was like the old school like tiny cups of coffee that everyone used to get um and uh yeah we 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 used to have coffee mate and I, it's just stuck it's so good man fair enough can i just can i just tell a quick story to il- to illustrate how racist this place was right yeah go for so it so i was serving a table of african ladies and uh, they were fine. They just wanted loads of stuff. They just kept asking for juice and more toast and stuff. But that, you know, I'm a waiter. That is literally my job. Um, so I was getting it and fine, whatever. And they left. And then this woman goes, uh, oh, she came up to me. She was sat on another, another table. She goes, oh, they were a bit annoying, weren't they? I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's fine. They're, they were, you know, eating their breakfast. And she goes, yeah. And you can't refuse to serve them anymore. <sighs> this How was- old was this woman? She was probably late fifties, and it was about two thousand. Oh Jesus! Two thousand sixteen. Fifty. Like that's that's the same age as my mum. For Christ's sake! Like, what are you doing? Yeah, man, got to call it out. Uh, anyway, bit of a tangent there, Alex. <laughs> bit, of a t- bit of a jarring start to the pod. How are you, Brad? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I really enjoyed last night. I uh, I set it up on my. I, we've uh, we've we've bought a projector, so we've set it up on our love it. our big screen. Uh, for lockdown, so uh, it was it was really good. it was a really good game. Um, in many, it was well. I think with the Europa League, I listened to the the uh, instant reaction pod from the Arsenal Vision as always. Shout out, um, and uh, Tim Stillman had a fantastic analogy, which was basically like with a Premier League game, you like you're looking at a house, and with with a Europa League game, it's like you're looking at like the bits in your house. Like you're looking at you want a new kitchen sink, you want like a a new a new hallway. Mm. And you're kind of picking out these 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 moments and these players and these individuals, and that's why I think oftentimes we we are a bit not sloppy in the Europa League, but we're we're slow to start in the Europa, just because it is a kind of not a ramshackle team either. You know, we had a, a lot of experienced players out there, but players mm-hmm. who don't play with each other, 
Um, so it's always, I think, I find the Europa League games interesting to watch for kind of a different reason, just because they they feel a bit more kind of um, like a like a bit more like an experiment, which is quite nice, and there's less less on the line. No, I agree with you, and I think that this season's I mean, obviously I know I I don't want to make any predictions about where we're going we're to finish this season. I'm hoping it will be within the top four, and I do think that's achievable. But I think that, say, for example, when we finish fifth and we end up in the Europa League again next season, I think next season's Europa League squad will be a squad that is used to playing together because there's obviously, as all Arsenal fans know, there's a massive transition coming squad wise. We've got hundreds of thousands of pounds a week coming off the wage bill and we've got a big restructure coming. So what I can really see next season is obviously building that first team squad. But obviously, certain players that are used to playing, it will be a more kind of tried, tested and set up team. You'll see, because if Lacazette doesn't sign a new contract in the next few months, he'll leave. So you'll see Enketia getting all of the Europa League minutes and maybe the cut minutes and then Aubameyang in the league. Mm. Or unless we sign another striker, obviously, in the summer. Yeah. But it's it's going to be interesting to see that kind of transition. And I think I agree with you, especially this season, it feels like a who's because we've got injuries as well. It's not even like we can use the Europa League to currently blood in Pablo Mari or give minutes to Callum Chambers because, you know, they're out injured. So it, it's, it feels a bit more at the moment like we're going who's fit that we're probably not going to play in the league. Throw him into a team. Yeah, I think that kind of delineation is is right because, I, like, Ooh, I, I, I what a word! Thank you. Um, what a word! I love I'm, it. I'm going to frantically Google to make sure I use that correctly. Um, but yeah, I think I think that kind of yeah that separation is 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 correct, and I think it is coming really between the two. You you Google it um, to, yeah. to between the two um, teams because there is like a. I mean, it's sort of how I run my yeah, career mode. You used it correctly. Oh come on! Um, I uh, so it's sort of how I run my career mode, <laughs> like on FIFA, like having those two separate teams. Yeah, mate. And then I know I joke, but it's not a crazy bad idea to have a team who work really well together, who know no, each that's other. What people do to yeah to get through cup yeah. cup games. And I think it's also, you know, at the moment we've kind of got we've got Kalasinac and and Cedric and players who we know aren't going to be our first team players, but can consistently get Europa League and, and and cut minutes and I don't think it's always a bad thing to have a certainly a spine of a team in, in in the cup who always play in the Europa League always play in the cup mm-hmm. um, so yeah and he, that's what we've done in the past that's what we've done in the past like if you look at the Wenger days we always had this kind of slew of kids or youth players or just second teamers who weren't quite pushing that first team level who would play the cup games, who would play the the kind of Champions League group games against Anderlecht or kind of the yeah. smaller teams. And Very niche. <laughs> because for me, the most important part of a Premier League season is the first 12 games. You need Because if you build a strong start and you are picking up, not maximum points, because obviously that's impossible unless you're Liverpool last season. You set the tone. But you set the tone for your season and you stop having to like almost fight an uphill battle in the second half of the season to achieve what you need to achieve. So if we can find that balance of having this second team who are capable enough to win us Europa League games in the group and Carabao games and third round FA Cup ties whilst resting our big players like Aubameyang, like Lacazette, like Pepe. You know, I think it's a real shame that Nelson was carrying a bit of a knock last night so couldn't start. And Smith Rowe as well. 
Real yeah, shame. it was a real shame not to see these players. But like, it would be a great situation if Aubameyang didn't even need to travel. Do you know what I mean? As in like, especially if we were away from home, but I know we were at home last night, but Aubameyang didn't need to be on the bench last night. We could have put Balogun on the bench. But I think that just comes from a complacency issue where currently we don't know how well we're going to play with certain players. And yeah, Mikel is always going to currently for this squad and this time need that almost like Trump card, that buyout of going, I've got... Don't use his name. The, the most prolific striker in the league on the bench. Yeah. Well, he's not the most prolific, but as in like one of the best strikers in the league on the on the bench. Yeah, I... That I can just throw on and he can grab me a goal or two. Definitely. I, I think there's a... Well, I want I want to pick on, up on two points. That I I think firstly that the just a quick one like the traveling thing is a new thing. I saw James McNicholas tweet about this last night. I think all the players now and I know what you meant what you meant by travel was being on the bench. Mm-hmm. But I quite like the idea that loads of players. Uh, maybe it wasn't James. Maybe it was my good old buddy Clive. All of the players are there as a group, as a squad, especially especially at home games. I think like all the players being there, watching their team, as opposed to watching on the sofa. Oh, at home games, one hundred is a nice, is a nice thing. Um, but yeah, so I know I, I completely agree, mate. I think there's a. I think also next year, the likes of Willock, the likes of Inketia, the likes of um, Maitland Niles, you know, they're getting they're a year, another year older. They're not kids, and you know if they're going to be sticking around and potentially pushing for Premier League places to play in, let's say, fifteen twenty games, starting certainly fifteen twenty games, the likes of Nelson as well. Mm-hmm. You know to know that they've got that spot nailed down, and then they're pushing for mm-hmm. that Premier League. Because I don't think you know I, 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 I like Nketiah. Do I think we're going to start with him in the Premier League next season unless he has an incredible end to the season? No. So if he you know, but also he's a year older, and as you say, we maybe wouldn't need Bamiang on the bench at that point. Maybe we could bring a, mm-hmm. another player in because they are getting to that 21, 22, 23, as opposed to you know teens just out of Hale End um, doing well, but not quite, not quite right. Which brings us on perfectly, Bradley. It's almost as if you planned it to the lineup. Um, so uh, we had Leno um, in goal, which was interesting. I thought we'd have Runison. Yeah, I kind of agree, but I think that. Again, it's new player. I with the system that so it seems that we're playing the same tactical style most of the time, even whether it's four three three, three at the back, five at the back, whatever. My issue with Runison might be that we don't know if he speaks the language yet. Or at least speaks it well enough, or speaks because obviously no, no, he does, he, he does. does. He's, he's he did an interview. He was yeah, he oh, speaks great English, which makes it then. which makes it which all makes more it confusing. This is the thing, but uh, yeah, again, um, I think what we have to remember with him is that he was the second choice goalkeeper at something like sixteenth place in Ligue 1. so. It's not like he was first choice at somewhere that was a lot higher up the table. He, I've said this before, he, in my opinion, has been brought in to be a third option next season. I'm starting to believe that, yeah. But it's just this season that because we needed funds elsewhere Mm. and I, I can still see us making a move in in january for a creative midfielder type depending on if we can get somebody off the books and out of the kind of squad registration 
But I, I think that it will be more a situation that he's been brought in that in 12 months time, when Matt Macy leaves, he will become third choice. And I can see us bringing in a David Rea from Brentford, who yeah. is kind of 23, 24, maybe 25. That kind of age profile who almost dovetails perfectly with Leno because he can play the cup games, play the Europa games, learn the system, get comfortable with it. He's also homegrown, so would fill that quota. Mm. And then as Leno starts to age out, he starts to age in. And you could have an almost seamless yeah. transition of keeper if he's good enough. Yeah. Because there was no surprise that we were in talks to sign him and then loan him back at the end of the window. Yeah, yeah. I think on the... And he he's a similar age profile to Burned when we brought him in. Mm. Um, I think it's a good age profile for a keeper. Um, so on on the Runison thing, I agree. I think I actually I'm starting to come round to that. I think it's telling that he was only played against Sundalk and against at home, who are no disrespect, probably one of the easiest opposition we'll play this year, maybe the easiest. Um, so you know, it's I got a Dundalk he- player in a pack on Ultimate Team. I lie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> just a um, little bit of info for you there. There you go, guys. There's people just just jotting that down. Yeah, give me a game. Give me a game. I'm absolutely shite. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's telling that he only played against Sundown. I agree. Mm. I, th- I think I... Also, this plays into my slight Leno agenda. I just don't think Leno's that good. And we'll come on to it in the in the as I've said before. I think he's a I think he's a top class keeper. I think he's a great shot stopper. I think he has some fantastic things to his, to his game. Mm, definitely, but he's he's not. I think with Leno in goal, we'd be lucky to be challenging for the Premier League. We'd need to have a sensational team. Oh around yeah, him. of course. Because you know, you, and we'll come on to it in a second. We're just looking at the lineup at the moment, but. That first goal, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to it. Um, so El Nenny, the only other real thing from the um from the from the lineup for me was um, firstly David Luiz played a whole ninety straight off an injury, which to me indicates he's probably not playing on Sunday, or or that um, the injury and, wasn't as bad as first thought, because obviously I think he was taken off more as a precaution rather than yeah, a, maybe he was being a pussy. No, but as I think yeah, well, hundred percent, but I think it was uh, maybe we'll see that he was taken off as a precaution because he didn't play against United. So maybe he was taken off as a precaution. Maybe. He didn't play against United, did he? Um, no. It was Gabriel and Holding. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Tierney at left CB and yeah. Yeah. Um, what am I trying to say? I've completely lost my train of thought. Um, That's okay, Brad. Yeah, I think maybe we'll see that it was more as a precaution because we we had important games coming up and then maybe it was deemed that he shouldn't be risked for United. And this this is this game was probably a perfect 90 minutes to fit him in it because it's not going to be too taxing. They not they they the, I mean Mulder were all right in spells, they're, but they're not going to be playing a, like a blisteringly high press that's going to put him under pressure where he's going to have to be running about yeah. all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and potentially Louise might be useful against the what might be a bit of a low block against Villa. Do you remember the end of last season when they just sat back? Yeah, but they do have Watkins and Grealish and a bit more quality now, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think that that was more. Uh, we're gonna they were they were so scared of getting relegated. Because they've been playing yeah. a lot of forward-thinking football in the first half of the season. Yeah. It was a bit of a Norwich situation, but just not as yeah. tragic um, defensively, where they were they were trying to play this kind of attack, not attacking style football, but they weren't exactly sticking 10 men behind the ball. And then because it, it got Grealish. close to the... Give it to Grealish. Basically. But then obviously when it came to the end of the season and it was, 
I mean, they should have been relegated. If that goal is given in the... It's the Sheffield United game that they score against Sheffield them. game, yeah. If that, that goal is given, Villa get relegated and Bournemouth stay up. So yep. that's how tight it was that the fact that goal line technology wasn't turned on. Um, Brad, are you saying this is a conspiracy? I'm just saying, like, it's 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 absolute bullshit. Brad, are you calling out the Premier League? I'm calling out the Premier League, mate. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> you know, so I can understand why they sat back yeah. a lot at the end of last season. 100%. But they are, they're playing good football now. Like, they're, they're doing well. We'll see on, on Louise. They've got a good goalkeeper. Yes, they do. I wish we could sign him. Um, the only other thing really was the uh, was the was, was was really actually the lack of El Nenny was the was the story mm. um, indicating he's potentially on for Sunday, and I am not against that, Brad. I think he starts. He starts from now on. I think oh, what you tweeted out last night no. is probably a good time to have the conversation about Xhaka. But um, I think from now on, if we're playing a two-man midfield, it is party and. Yeah, I received some abuse on Twitter last night from you, Brad. <laughs> Alex, I love you, but put down whatever you're smoking because no way you'll be getting 40 million for Xhaka. Yeah. So this came out of a context of a conversation you were having. No, there was a controversial question on Twitter and it was, do you think Arsenal should look to sell Granite Xhaka this upcoming summer and buy a new partner for party? Or should the, there's a pun there, I'm not going to do it. Or should the Swiss stay? Go. Uh, and I asked you, and you said, yeah, agreed. One, uh, someone said, uh, like Xhaka, uh, Samba centre-back, my guy Gabriel said, although I like Xhaka, he's a mistake away from everybody turning on him again. Too much bad blood to come back from, from fully. Uh, and you said, yeah, agreed. One wrong move and it's turned toxic again. I don't know if we'll get the 35 million we paid for him, maybe closer to the 20 to 25 million mark. I said, no, Xhaka's a baller, 40 million plus. If he went next summer, I think he'd probably go to an equivalent club or better. In the right system, he can be perfect. And you told me that I was mental. Yeah, because I just don't think. Can I? I don't think can he goes I put across. Of course, my, you can. You, you go first, and then I will give the rebuttal. My, my Xhaka vision. Go for it. Okay. I think Xhaka, there's a reason. Xhaka, Xhaka vision. Oh, yeah. I knew there was something there. I was trying, I was trying to think of it. Um, so <laughs> I just spend the whole podcast trying to think of like stupid things to say, which is probably really annoying for everyone. Um, so <laughs> you probably focus on the football. Um, so I think with Xhaka, I think there's a there's a reason Pep Guardiola liked him and Arteta liked him at, at City. Yeah, but they didn't they didn't want to sign him. No, no, babes, I know they didn't sign him. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I, I know they liked him. Yeah, but City over anyway, Arsenal. I think like, we bought him, and if City were in for him, the, he would have gone this to is City. The, I don't know, mate. Let's not be so hard on ourselves. Um, I. <laughs> There's a reason I think Xhaka is a very, very talented footballer and in the right system can be fantastic. And he he occupies that left side. I mean, he's been playing sort of centre back in uh, you yawning, Brad, while I explain my Xhaka vision. Xhaka Xhaka vision. Yeah, I am. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) um, So basically what I'm trying to say is he's a really useful player for that left side it's sort of like it basically in a build-up for a team at the moment if you were looking to play a sort of three at the back build-up maybe like the Ake role at City now Xhaka's perfect for that mm-hmm. and he's got a fantastic left foot he's a really good leader he's a good age profile he's got great, great experience not I'm not saying at centre-back but I'm, I, it's, I think it's too simplistic to say Xhaka Xhaka's playing centre-back 
he's dropping back into the LCB slots to, to do build-up play. But I yeah, think I understand he's not that. playing centre back. He is a bit limited, but I think a top team could have him as a as a backup, as a as another option there. Um, especially if a top team, maybe like Chelsea, doesn't have a a, a left sided or, or left side dominant player. I think he could go somewhere okay, okay. quite big. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But here's my almost counterpoint. I think football has moved on. I'm already fuming. Uh, I, I think that if we're talking kind of five, ten years ago, I agree with you that if you stick, it's, Xhaka is almost the same as the Meza Ozil conundrum that we had, that we never quite rebuilt a midfield that could cover the deficiencies that Ozil had at certain points in his game. And I think Xhaka is the same. Xhaka in your team offers you a little bit in that he's got a great left foot and can be that kind of maestro of play. But he is very deficient in a lot of ways. Not very mobile. Not very good in the tackle. Iron deficient. It means that you have to create a midfield around him that kind of supports those needs. And whilst I think that you know, bringing party in and having El Nenny there is the first steps of maybe doing that whilst we have to go with this Xhaka system. I don't think football is now in a place as kind of a sport with the tactics that we're seeing and the kind of styles of play that we're seeing where you can have a player in a top team if you want to win the league that is so deficient. Like he barely gets out of a jog. And if you look at players in Take Liverpool, for example. They just smashed Atlanta 5-0. And if you watch that game, it's fascinating. Jordan Henderson is not the most talented footballer when it comes to kind of kicking a ball. As in like, I, he's not the Which kind of... Which is pretty useful, I'd say, no, kicking but as, a ball. I, I know, I know. But he's not the kind of player that like, I would expect to ping 60-yard balls dropped straight onto the toe of Mohamed Salah. Like, I don't think he's that kind of player. But what he does is he runs, he can pass decently and he has tactical awareness and you watch him through that game and he is screaming at players screaming at them to make themselves available to run to to challenge and to do these things and I think that that is now the kind of profile that you can get away with you can get away with not being technically gifted it's like Mohamed Elneny he's not the most technically gifted footballer at our football club but what he does is he will run and die for the shirt. He will constantly try things and he will constantly make himself available. And I think that's the kind of coin flip that's now happened with football, that you can be deficient technically, but not be deficient physically anymore. And I think, unfortunately, Granite Xhaka is the opposite end of the spectrum, where he is very, very technically gifted, but just very physically deficient in so many areas that... I can see what you're saying that in old Pep Guardiola systems, I could see him being that maestro for Pep because he has so much more time and space. But nowadays in the Premier League and in the Champions League, I just don't think he is a player that you can carry in your team, which is why I think we are seeing talk already from people like, should we move him on? And I think that maybe because he's playing well at the moment and he looks good in this system. If we can get that 25, 30 million for him, it would be a good time to move on from the Xhaka era of football. So you're saying he jacks a lot. <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, I love you, mate. 
<sighs> I wish I loved myself. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, Bradley, I'm going to make a bold claim on this podcast, okay. which we can come back to at some point. Okay. On Friday, the 6th of November, on mm-hmm. episode 21 mm-hmm. of the Different Knock podcast, Alex mm-hmm. said, and you can write this down, next summer, if we sell Granite Xhaka or whenever we sell Granite Xhaka, he will go to an equivalent or top six in the English team or, you know, an Inter Milan, an AC, some, somewhere somewhere there, around there. He will not step down, is what I'm saying, for at least 40 million if we sell him, if we sell him next summer, because obviously contractual agreements and stuff change okay. change value. I think okay. if, if we sell him next summer, he'll go somewhere. And, and regardless, I'm confident he'll go somewhere that big regardless of what we get for him. I think it obviously... There you go. I think it depends because I I think that going to a different league would be better for him. You think him in the Italian league or even yeah, back in the German league for, say, a Mönchengladbach or a Leipzig or, or a, to be fair, Leipzig quite like quite, quite fast, fizzy football. So maybe not Leipzig, but in those kind of teams and in that kind of league, mm. I absolutely think that he could do very well but that is not the Premier League. Going from a top six club to an Inter Milan, that is a step down. It is a step down in quality yeah. because any of the top six, also probably the top eight currently, if you're thinking Arsenal, Man United, City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Everton, and Wolves, stick any of those top eight against Inter Milan and I think they would give it again. If you're talking... On form, both teams, like strongest 11s, best formations, best tactics on form for both teams. You couldn't, I I reckon it would be a close and interesting game. And that's like one of the top teams out in Italy. And you're talking about the top eight teams in this country. So I think that already you're talking about a step down without talking about a step down. Okay, maybe, maybe. But I think he'll go to an equivalent club. But that's what I'll say. Uh, right. An equivalent club of reputation. Let's say that. Let's say that. Uh, say right, that. Let's get on to the game then itself. We haven't even finished the lineup. We got a bit waylaid, didn't we? Yeah, let's move on. Um, so there were players. They were played. players. You know, you know who played. Um, so we started out. I thought we were doing okay. The the one thing I'd say for our first half hour was I felt I felt the the risk wasn't there. I think mm. this is partly why maybe there's a a thing with the Europa League team and then they don't really know each other. But I always felt like there was a just that first half hour, we we just appeared to be a bit safe. We were kind of passing in that U shape again. Ceballos um was dropping deep but wasn't he and he kind of woke up in the second half and started driving a little bit more, but he was he was not really taking risks. There was a few ball there was a point where I think it was, forgive me, Xhaka could have played in Willian and he didn't. There was a point where Mate Niles could have played in Pepe and he didn't. There just felt like a few moments in the that first sort of half an hour where they did really well to um to to kind of hold us off, or sort of twenty minutes before they scored, um to sort of hold us off and to to just to contain us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, we it, we we always take a little time to warm up in the Europa League, and I don't. It's not necessarily a criticism because these players don't really play with each other, but I always I also did feel we have that quality, and we have a yeah. It, it felt as though. If we went back and watched that first 20 minutes, it wasn't boring, but I just felt as though we had a lot of the ball and we were unable to penetrate against a low block again, which is fine. 
Um, but when we don't have but that we high press trying. to be our kind of playmaker, when like, we don't. We weren't. We weren't trying to penetrate the low block a lot. We weren't playing those killer balls. But when we don't have a someone willing to take that risk and willing to lose the ball, mm-hmm. it just feels like we have the ball a lot and we're not willing to give it up to try and even make something mm-hmm. happen. So it, yeah, just that first sort of mm-hmm. twenty minutes, and then I think their goal came from. For me, it's Mustafi. It's Mustafi being silly and not. I think he should have just got rid of the ball. He then puts Leno in a bit of a bad position. He, I think he gets the ball back in a weird position, gives it back to Leno. He he's then stood out in the right back position, and Leno has to kick it long. Um, and then and then it's actually a really good goal from. By the way, I don't think he's an electrician. I think that was. I think that was a gag. Um, I think I I've looked him up uh, since, and I think he's a. I mean, he plays for Mulder. Like you know, he can't. He, He's got enough money. He doesn't doesn't have to be an electrician, but um, he certainly lit up the pitch. He gags. Hey. Uh, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, with I you. mean, it was a great great goal. I do agree with you. I think you're right. And um, uh, uh, um, a guy called Adam McCola, who is on Full Time Devils a lot uh, and does a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I watched the kickoff for the United match for United Arsenal. Uh, and he made a really good point that I think I'm starting to see a lot more about Arsenal is that we take, I don't think it's just in the Europa League, we take 20, 30 minutes to warm up in most games. And it's something that needs to change because we took like, yes, we were on top and dominant for kind of the first half of United, but we still took that 20, 30 minutes to get into our stride and start really trying things. And I think that it's it is a lack of confidence in free play in the system. I think we're still at a place where we've got a bit of a hangover from the Emery days, yeah. And we're still trying to instill this system. And we've talked about it before: the fact that we are so tactically rigid at mm. the moment because we are not in a situation where we can be expressive and free, because we need to earn that right. He, you know, Arteta's almost had to come in and reteach us how to play football. And we're still not at that stage yet where we can be creatively free. And I think that maybe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that we need to gain some confidence, build some patterns of play inside the game before we can then push on to create different things. 100%. And kind of like be that, 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 that slightly bit more killer about our play. This um by the way, this podcast is just us going, someone else made a really good point and us saying their point. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um but Absolutely. yeah, so th- there's a really interesting video um on It's normally me as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's me, it's just me saying close close stuff. Um so uh yeah, there's a there's a really interesting video online of um on on the web. Have you heard of the web app, Brad? It's really good. Online. The, the World Wide Web. Um, and uh Yes, it's it's Henri basically talking about Guardiola and something that I yeah. remember from it is he's, he goes, I can give you a structure in those first two thirds, but it's up to you to, to do whatever you need to do in that final third. And I think you're totally right. I think we're, 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 we're and what I felt in those first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour was there was a real structure to our game. There was a real um, rigidity. There was a real, um, not necessarily a plan because a plan would involve a bit of risk. But there was a clear, okay, we're just going to knock it about, see see how they're feeling, try and break down this low block, you know, try and get in behind, try a few different things out. 
there's a clear structure. I completely agree. I think I think Arteta's brought this structure and this rigidity mm-hmm. and this um, defensive solidity. Something that I want to bring up as well is there was a stat during the week, which was Premier League defensive effectiveness from the 2nd of um, November. And this was at Experimental 361, just to give credit. And it was shots uh, faced per goal conceded against shot faced per match. Um, and it sort of puts up for, sort of formidable. I've retweeted this if you want to go have a look at it. Uh, formidable, uh, avoiding the issue and pushovers um, and competent but busy. Um, in terms of who's facing the least shots, it's actually Brighton. But who's a kind of lovely mix between um, shots faced per goal conceded uh, and and shots faced per match? Uh, we're actually mm-hmm. in the top twenty five percent, and we're 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 sort of heading yeah. towards formidable. We we clearly stick out as a team who do well and don't and and maybe face a few more shots than we want. And that's exactly what he's trying to achieve per goal per goals we've conceded. Yeah, and it's the stru- it's the structure, and um, it's a lovely visual. Go look at that. I've absolutely bastardised it, but yeah, just go have a look at that. But the the I think this structure and this rigidity, as we keep keep on saying, does especially when we've when we're kind of working out and as you say, yeah, kind of having that bit of a warm up period. It does just kind of take the fizz out of things slightly and, and take the risk out mm-hmm. of things. And I do watch players looking potentially at an option, very technically gifted players going, I can't lose the ball. I can't lose the ball. And it's not, you know, we're winning games, it's working, but it is slightly frustrating in, in the course. moment when you're going, oh, come on. But I think, as, I think we often forget as Arsenal fans, one, how bad it was under Emery and two, how quickly we would have taken what we're getting now. I think 100%. so quickly we think that a manager is going to come in and be able to... Because also what we have to consider is from the months of March to whenever, you know, elite level football started back up, he wasn't training with his team. So he wasn't instilling that idea. So He's still not had a preseason. Exactly. Exactly. And we're looking at it and we're going, he's come in during a season that's had a massive break as well. He's yet to have a preseason where he can really just focus on kind of laying his ideas down and he's transformed us defensively okay the attack isn't firing yet but if you look at the kind of ramshackled pieces we've got for that attack we're not going to be firing yet at least we're doing one thing correctly and I think that that's what we need to take positives from okay we're not playing the best brand of football at the moment but if we get the right players and we can start to kind of fix this puzzle. I can easily see us transitioning to a club that plays attractive football again, but Definitely. you can't run before you can walk. And we're still so defensively dodgy at the back, you know, and that's why that's, that's the thing about Xhaka as well. If it's almost that idea of like, I know it sounds stupid, but when you're playing FIFA and you're throwing loads of players forward, you're open to a counter. And if you don't have players who are mobile with pace, you're fucked. And it's the same kind of thing that to play that free-flowing, expansive football where you're you're creating opportunities and you've got... You've, we, we saw it with United against um, Istanbul Bashakshah here. That on, literally one ball over the top, one ball over the top for Denver Bar, and they were in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that is because they do not have the players with pace that can track back other mm. than, you know, I don't know about Tellez, but maybe Wambasaka's, yeah, he's pacey a little, but you're you're looking at their midfield and they're so limited that 
they're making the mistake of throwing so many players forward that they're then so easily caught on the counter. Mm. And that's our issue at the moment. A lot of our midfield is quite limited. When we have Xhaka, because we need Xhaka. Right now we mm. need Xhaka because he's one of the kind of, we need him for the structure and kind of a build up play. I think Party will start to take over that yeah. in kind of coming coming games yeah. and times. But for now, we need that. So for now, we also need to concede that we're not going to be throwing six, seven men up the pitch and leaving David Luiz, Gabriel and Xhaka by themselves because the, those three players on a counter will be blitzed. They're the wrong people. The only to, player to with pace is Gabriel. Yeah. the uh, And I think it's interesting what you say as well. And, and it's, I think it's backed up by the fact that if you look at the signings, We've signed. We've signed a, a, a even in the attacking signing. We've signed a structural winger, really someone who, who defends well. Mm-hmm. But also, we've signed a, 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 a someone who can defend space as a centre back. We've signed a, a, a CDM or a CM or whatever he is, uh, who can kind of just hold that space as well. We're we're, we're signing the structure, um, and I completely mm-hmm. agree. And you know, from structure, you know, you need you know, like if you're building a building, you need solid foundations, and we're. I think we're getting those, and we are seeing sprouts. We're structure seeing, breeds freedom. Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing we're seeing Aubameyang. We're seeing, um, you know, moments of, of of these players with individual brilliance. Um, I think it's. I, I think this is a good time to have the Pepe conversation as well. Um, just before we kind of move on with the rest of the game. I see, and, and especially in that sort of second before, yeah, not really in the second half, more the first half, really. While when we were chasing that goal and they just scored. I was finding myself frustrated by seeing Pepe. If you imagine, like, say, like the five channels between the, so you got you've got like the either the five five at the back or four at the back, whatever. Imagine the five channels across the pitch. Pepe is all too often asked to do too much. He's in the widest right channel or the widest left channel. Sometimes he's facing up against three, sometimes even four players. He's often receiving it on the half turn. And he's only got a left foot, really. Like, you know, I know he scored last week with his right foot. Bad time to say that, Alex. But, you know, he, he's not got the best. I think there was a chance. No, but you saw that with the cross that he tried to put in on his exactly, right foot. Exactly, and there was it a was chance that he, he clearly was just trying to get on his left foot when it would have been touch-bang with his right mm-hmm. um, in the second half. I, I, I think if we can get him into, say, if you imagine, like, if we're looking at the pitch from a bird's-eye view... And we're looking like a sort of attacking. Our attacking end is the is the top. If we get them into like the number four number four channel, try that with a with a. a, a and we saw when Cedric came on when he got beyond, he he opened up that space a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like again, it's the structure because he obviously wants Pepe hu- hu- hugging the touch lines. He obviously wants players to stay in this nice structure, but just to give someone like that a bit more freedom. Uh, to come inside, I think that's partly him, partly the structure. We will see a change in creative output. We will see a change in in the game. At the moment, we're kind of asking him to be Leo Messi, and he's not. At the moment, we're asking him to dribble like Leo Messi and like literally go past six players, and he's not that. And also, that's not a, that doesn't make him a bad player. Not at all. He, Messi is one of the only players I have ever seen do that to a team where he's dribbled past five or six players and then slot it in. Maybe Henri at some points. Yeah. No, but you're talking about the elite level ballers, the people who are at the top echelon of the game. And I'm I'm not saying that he can't get there. I'm just saying he's definitely not there at the moment. And definitely. I think again, it, it, this is the issue. We need th- th- we're so shackled because of the players that we're having to play that it is shackling certain players like Pepe. But if you look at kind of his numbers, shackling. 
<laughs> that is another solid gag, mate. That is a good one. Thanks, mate. Um, on fire. If you look at the numbers, Pepe has the second most direct goal contributions since joining the club. He's got the most direct goal contributions this season for us, which isn't saying a lot because we're not scoring at the moment, but he's doing that and he hasn't started four games in a row. He's played under three different managers. It's tough, but this is why we need to move on from the jacket era and start to really rebuild so that we can unleash the full potential of Pepe. And he's a great player, I think, and could easily, easily turn into one of the league's best wingers. Because, you know, we saw him dominate in Liga. And he's got finishing ability. He can cross with his left, but he he's so quick and can play those one-twos that we just need to start building that system so that it allows yep. him to do that. So we move uh, on to the sort of the end of the first half. We got that goal. Um, there was the offside chance, uh, the one where Willock... I, I'm actually... <laughs> here's me admitting my ignorance. I'm actually unclear... Willock's offside. Especially, well, yeah, Willock's offside, but I don't know whether in the Europa League they play the rule because they don't have VAR. And they they do five subs. It's slightly different. I don't know in the Europa League whether they, whether it's the same kind of rule of if if you're going for the ball and you're offside, it's called offside kind of thing. If you're interfering with play, yeah, exactly. And I could I could understand that. I think they do play that, and that's why it's been given as offside. I was furious at the time because Inketia scored, but anyway, we got we got our comeuppance later. Uh, got the goal, um, and um, I think own goal should probably start against Villa. Um, <laughs> I think if we stick him up front, um, I think it should be fine. Um, no, but the the yeah, I mean, I mean, Willock's Willock had a great game. Um, he was he was sl- yeah, he was he was solid last. He night. He was as quiet as everyone else in the in the beginning, uh, but I think he really grew into the game. He's he offers something that, that a lot of our midfielders don't have. It's just the, that physicality, um, that drive. Um, I don't think he's technically gifted. I would never want to see him in a two, but I think as as the as a maybe as a as the as the spike of a triangle or the or the or the second the right side of a of a attacking eight trio i don't mind i think he's a i think he's a really really talented player and i think probably the, probably the closest in terms of getting into that premier league team mm-hmm. um at the moment but he did really well he 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 got us basically both of those own goals um so yeah he he was he was great and i thought i also thought sabios really grew into the game um sabios was having a bit of a poor game he also he had a really poor game against now you're testing me. Uh, someone <laughs> the other day, the last time he played, uh, the last time he started, he was he was really poor. I thought. Um, and Dundalk did he start against Dundalk? I think it was a Premier League game. Anyway, he he's not been great recently. Oh, Leicester, 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 Leicester. Leicester that's who it was. He was not great against Leicester. Um, he was giving balls away. He looked he looked lost, um, especially in, you know in a midfield against Tielemans. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it was encouraging to see both of them grow into the game. Um, and I think their growing influence meant that there was a bit more freedom. Uh, we came out second half and we, we looked the better team. Yeah. And I think from there, we just, we, we just dominated. Um, and, and, and what you were saying about Pepe before, you know, he, he ended up getting an assist and a, and a goal, you know. So even when he is not necessarily, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that structure that we were talking about, that when, when he can break out of that structure slightly, he can he can he can make things happen. I know it's against Mold, Molder, Mold, uh, but um, yeah, I think we we did really well. But yeah, um, second half I thought we were a lot better. Yeah, but you're looking at teams like Anderlecht beating Spurs, like Bashak Shahir beating United. You're looking at so many like 
what would be considered lower quality teams beating top quality teams because they're complacent. You can only ever beat what's in front of you. And he still, there's still 11 players on the pitch. So he still had to find the space to create that chance and find the space to take that 100%. shot and score that goal. And an, and against an organised team. Hmm. Um, and, the, you know, the, the, their manager's not a mark. He was, you know, he's an uh, assistant to Oli. And I know we call Oli a PE teacher, but he's a Premier League, you know, he's a Premier League manager. And, you know. Oh, I've got a f- fascinating stat about Oli. Do you know that he started managing in 2008 around the same time as Pep Guardiola, Max Allegri, um, Diego Simeone, all of these top class managers that have gone to Champions League finals and that have won leagues. Why does the why do people treat him like he's a new manager? <laughs> like he's been managing for twelve years. It's almost like he gets this. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Dispensation or special credit for being like, oh, he's he's fresh in. He's a new manager. The man's been managing since, since two thousand and eight. That's like Pep Guardiola era. It's because United fans think there isn't there isn't a club outside of Manchester. I know. They're just anywhere in the world. I think, They're surprised. They go, oh, there's a... Do you know they have football teams in Paris? I'm seeing... Yeah, mate, it's mental. And I'm seeing people say that, you know, he deserves more respect because he got them to third last season and they limped into third last season. They limped into third last season. And um, again, this was on the kickoff, but people were saying, you know, you lot finished us to predict... Uh, predicted us to finish sixth and we finished third. And one of the guys on there literally, and said, and it's true, like, it's not like there was much difference between third and sixth, mm. as in points-wise or even quality-wise. United, United were so lucky to finish in that top four because they were so, you think the amount of penalties that they got last season, and some of them mm-hmm. not exactly clear-cut either, you know. How is that man still the manager? How? Listen, it's great for us. It's great it's for, good us for us because the longer that an absolute donkey's in charge, the more points they drop. But you think managers like Pochettino out there who took as much as I hate him because he's a Spurs manager and took them to a Champions League final, but took them to a Champions League final after not spending anything for 18 months. Yeah. You've got um, Max Allegri out there, got to Champions League finals, won Serie A. But you're seeing a man who just constantly doesn't seem to know what he's doing. And I think one of the most worrying things is that he's so reactionary. Whenever he makes a substitution or makes a change, it feels like a reaction to something rather Mm. than... When Arteta makes changes, it seems like he's trying to implement something different. Or like he's going, okay, this isn't working. Let me try this. Whereas I think with Oli, it's like, oh no, we've just conceded three goals. Let me put on a striker. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. <laughs> like, like long, long may it continue. Long may the Mourinho rot set in. Long may the Solskjaer debacle go on. I hope United keep him because they've, they, they're they on this kind of, well, we've sacked every manager we've had since since Ferguson. We, we've got to stick with one guy and I hope they stick with Solskjaer. Um, but yeah, so no, I think what the the... Just to return to the game. Just to, yeah, let's actually return to Arsenal and the game. Sorry for my little rant. Yeah, yeah. You, you and your stats, Brad, you love it. Um, there was a, so, uh, speaking of stats, Arsenal have conceded a maximum of one goal in 79% of Mikel Arteta's games in charge. Just saw that stat, love it. Oof. Oof. But yeah, I Least thought... Least goals conceded in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. things you love thought, to see. Yeah, things you do love to see. Um, <laughs> actual... <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, always doing a dance. We can defend. Oh God. Oh God, Brad, stop that. Had to watch you dance at drama school. Don't do it now. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just thought second half we looked a lot more. Um, we looked more willing to take risk, and I think that risk mm-hmm. is um, is key. Uh, is key to, to to moving forward. We we looked a lot more kind of. I mean, obviously they kind of opened up. Yep. They needed to win the game. They didn't look scared. I think they came out second half looking a bit more kind of ready to take us on. But we um, we did really well. I thought. Um, yeah, Willock had a really dominant performance. Um, he looked happy after the game. Um, just trying to think if there's anyone else that I I noticed. Uh, Willian uh, was decent in the. I, I there was a few spells where I was like, oh, he's actually trying things. He's Willian's very. So I feel like so often with Willian, he just he just doesn't. He either doesn't try anything, or he just like he's like, I'm gonna put in a Paneka cross right now. He's very tidy. Do you know what I mean like? But I don't know what that means. Do you know what I mean? And like he ru- like even when he runs, it's all like really well collected. Uh, he looks, he doesn't, you know, he, Willian's so compact. His like, his center of gravity is right in the middle of him. Mm-hmm. He's very, um, you know, he's, he, he's fine. <laughs> I just, I, I question that decision when we've got Martinelli, we've got Smith Rowe, we've got, um, Saka, we've got Nelson, we've got Pepe, we've, you know, I'm not saying... I think I think I, I would have done the deal and I, I liked it at the time. But every time I watch him, I just go, I don't know what you are. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we fit you in. I The reason that I question the deal is how long it is. I think it's how, like that. That's the thing that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Because I don't think I, I would understand if he was a younger player, because then you go, oh, OK, he might become a saleable asset. But he's not exactly young. Do he's you quite a saleable old. asset. Saleable. Wouldn't it be sellable? Let's Google it. I think oh. it's a saleable asset. <laughs> yeah. Easy to sell. Oh, it is a word. Is what saleable means. It is a word. There you go, Brad. You've done me. Done out here. Um, yeah, I just think that if you're thinking that that's going to become the situation, then fair enough. But he's old. He This is probably going to be his last major contract. He might even retire if he doesn't leave after the end of this, because you're thinking he's going to be pushing 35, 36. Does he want to go to, like, into Miami or, like, to, to just earn a last paycheck? And do they want him? He, look, but, he looks about 25, though. Yeah, fair enough. But I think that's that's what makes it a bit more confusing. I think I can understand it if you kind of prefix it with the information of Martinelli out until kind of December, January we were thinking that it would be better to loan Nelson out so that he got minutes at kind of a Premier League level at maybe a lower standard club. Smith Rowe is more of an attacking midfielder than a winger. And then if you actually look at our wing options, you go, okay, well, we've got William Pepe and Saka Mm. as the three options. Mm. So that's why I can go, okay. Yeah, but as if, if we'd loaned Nelson out, I think the more confusing thing is we've made the decision to keep Nelson after bringing in Willian, because I don't think they offer much difference from each other. If anything, I'd prefer to mm. give the minutes to Nelson or Pepe that's currently going to Willian, and then you save the wages. Mm. But if I, I want to see him transition into a bit more of a centrally attacking midfielder kind of player. 
I'd love maybe, to see him maybe when we've got some more structure and we've got that kind of solidity back, I think from now on, if we're going to transition to, I think we just make, we fuck it and we just, we, we make the decision. We're going 4-3-3 and we stick El Nenny and Party next to each other. Willian as a roaming kind of 10 and then Pepe on the right, Saka or Martinelli on the left, Alba through the middle or Saka yeah. on the right, Alba on the left, and Ketiev through the middle. Yeah. And just play around with that and try Willian out at the 10. Because I think that's where you need somebody who might be a bit tidy and can pick those passes rather than mm. out on the wing. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially and to reduce, potentially reduce his physical load uh, a little bit. I know, obviously, if we're playing a 10, I don't think we play a 10, but um, maybe if we did, it would reduce his physical load. I can't see him as an 8. It's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, okay, anything else on the game, Brad? No, I thought it was a decent one. Fair play to oh, Kalazanak as well. Oh, fuck, fuck me, Mustafi. Oh. He, him, and Mustafi. Genuinely, I, 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 I despair. He had an offer to leave I, as well. Why didn't he just fuck off? Just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. We, I think, if if he leaves, we're seeing Maitland Niles get more minutes on that left hand side. But. We need a discussion about Maitland Niles. Now's not the time, but he he looks, he looks disinterested to me. Um, but yes, it's really difficult when you're seeing what's starting over you. Yeah, yeah. though, isn't it? Like, we'll we'll like, we'll, dis- we'll, we'll you're discuss seeing it players time. start. O- yeah, it's the Enketia conversation because there was a time a few games ago when Lacazette had a regular run of games in the team where Enketia looked dejected. Because you look at what's starting over you and you go, like, I would rather have Maitland-Nars in that left wing-back slot mm. yeah. than Kalazanak in a Premier League game against any opposition. Yeah, I would have just, I would have just... I think that that may be what stunted his minutes. Yeah. And Cedric as well. I think he's better than Cedric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brad, it's your turn this week. Okay, I'm ready. Are you excited? I am Frothing at the bit. This is a week up the arse. Arsenal beat United 1-0 with holding an L and proving their worth. Whose farm he leaves the club, meaning all Gazi disappointments are gone. New training gear released to fleece us more, and we put four past Mulder and electrician scored one from 30 yards while Kalazanak misses a sitter. Yes, brothers. First time. First time, brothers. Go on. Yeah, it was. It, that yes, was definitely mate. the first time. Definitely the first time we did that. We've not re-recorded that. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say, did you see uh, Alba got Bukayo a little chilly chain? <laughs> did he? Did you see it? No, no, no. That's... Go on Bukayo's um, Instagram. It's so cool. I'll have, I'll have a look after the pod. Have a look after. Uh, listen, we have uh, one more question. And I think it's the perfect one to finish us on for today, Brad. Okie dokie, my friend. The question is from Stevie. Hello, Stevie. He's at Stevie C 1989. Hi, Stevie. He says, when's the Sphinx for El Nenny being built outside the Emirates? Oh, mate, it better be fucking ASAP Rocky. That man is the best Egyptian player in the league. Best Egyptian player in the world, mate. Oh, at, screw screw Egyptian, maybe African. Maybe even maybe even the best player in the world. The El Nenaissance continues, my friends. It just continues. I, I, if we do if that becomes like a common phrase, the El Nenaissance in like common parlance. Like if I hear like a commentator saying that, I'll, I'll be fuming because we we need some we need some credit. You need to trademark that. I think well yeah, I'm not sure how we 
go about it. How we do but, that, but um, I'll I'll look into it. I'll look into trademarking it on the Renaissance. Be a bit of a weird thing. Just <laughs> what happened to work today? Uh, so we've got a new trademark in for this thing called the El Nenaissance. It's some guy who's from a podcast. He's, I don't know, it's just a bit weird. Um, all right, Brad, anything else? I love him. I love him too. I love him. Anything else, mate? Gorgeous man. No, no, nothing from me. Nothing from you. What are you doing for the rest of the day? Um, probably try not to go insane. <laughs> Might play some FIFA. It's, uh, it's maybe it, it's, lo- it's lockdown, uh, in, in the UK. Hashtag lockdown too. So uh, yeah, I've got some zooms to do, which I love. I love zoom. It's never. What's great about zoom is it's never awkward. What, what, oh, what zooms have you got to do? I've just got some work stuff. Um, just work stuff, you know. Just just work stuff. Um, just because you're you're a working man. Yeah, I'm a working man. I'm a writer, so don't wanna don't wanna flex on y'all. But oh, he's got some some writing stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, what what's he writing? What's he? Oh, is he right? Is he? Is it the, is it the next screen? Is it the, is it the next Star Wars? Oh wait, I I can't say I I I've signed an NDA. I can't say it's actually not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a uh, uh, is he is he writing Star Wars? No. Um. So uh, yes, I will be doing that. But what's great about Zooms is that is they're never awkward, are they? No, not at all. Um, big Zooms because it, what's fantastic is like you know everyone can really hear each other and see each other. And you can get a real good conversation flowing because it's, you know, it's fantastic. So mm-hmm. I love them. And you know what? I fucking hope that Zoom quizzes never come back. Ever. But we did one when it was cool. Do you remember that? We did. We did one when it was cool. We did one when it was like, it was just starting out. And then like now it's like, I've got Zoom quiz. It was Fuck off. hip. We did it before it was cool, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Let's leave it there for today because I've got to edit this thing. All right, uh, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we've got some guests and stuff coming up soon, so that should be good. Um, and yeah, just more yeah. good old Keep an eye Arsenal contento. Um, stay tuned. Keep breathing. Everything's going to be fine. And even if it's not, then you won't know about it because you'll be dead. All right. It'll be fine in a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. See you guys in a bit. <laughs> Bye. Uh, See you in a bit. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.